opening this week's episode with a dramatic reading of the thumbs up, thumbs down section of the Ojai Valley News is Lily Brown, co-producer of the Townies podcast. A reader sends a thumbs down to the person who approved the ice cream truck that frequents Libby Park with a high polluting engine and makes too much noise. A reader sends a thumbs up to the Ojai Valley Community Hospital, especially the three nurses who cared for him when he had a colonoscopy. Ojai is fortunate to have such a great hospital here. A reader sends a thumbs way down to the Ojai Bell Tower. You are two minutes fast, creating confusion all over town, especially downstairs at the post office at closing time. Welcome back to the Townies Podcast. I am Kim Maxwell, and I am a Townie. I am a Townie who loves other people's stories. I teach a weekly writing and performance workshop here in my ridiculously small fishbowl of a town nestled in the foothills of Ventura County. And for 25 years, the raw and vulnerable musings of my brilliant and courageous students have sent me home filled with hope. Some of my beloved students are seasoned professionals. Some have never even been on a stage before. But there they are, up in front of a live audience, flinging themselves and their brand new words into the abyss. Their reward? They have been heard. They matter. Their words matter. And the audience? Well, they have just officially been granted permission to do the same to go out there somewhere and take a big old risk. And that is the sacred exchange between terrified storyteller and gracious audience member. Permission. I love people's stories because stories are what connect us. This is the Townies Podcast. Welcome to the neighborhood. Episode six, We're Only Human. Opening this week's podcast, Horizontal Mambo, written and performed by Trudy Froelich. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, Trudy and her family eventually made the move to Long Island where, quote, the fancy people live. Trudy is truly a generous soul with an affinity for dogs and a flair for all things flavorful, colorful, and loud. This the height of nonchalance, finishing a bed in restaurants. Well, a bit of dinner never hurt, but guess who is gonna be dessert? <laughs> I had many nicknames as a young girl, everything from shithead to princess to princess shithead to cross-eyed Annie, and finally, Uditre. <laughs> then magically, at 15 years old, I became... Trudy the Blue Baller, queen of dry humping. <laughs> Just ask Bobby, Bert, Stuart, 
and Brendan <laughs> We dated a movie, a piece of pizza, and then the horizontal mambo. In and around two weeks of dating, I wound up here. Trudy, you're the best. <laughs> you are so funny. And you make the best steaks. Translation, you make my balls ache. <laughs> I cannot continue to shake hands with the unemployed, and I am running out of clean underwear. Yeah, that was me, Chloe Coitus Interruptus. And I'm not entirely sure why I would date, go to the movies, eat pizza, and never be naked. Somehow ending up naked at the end of the evening just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, come on, I had two very active brothers. I could limbo. I won chubby checker contests. I had loose hips and long legs, and just the right amount of pressure and rhythm and lock. But no, that wasn't enough. I didn't want to be naked. I've never even seen myself naked. I love the way you smell. Thank you, it's Shalimar. With a dollop of Trojan's essence of no fucking way. I don't want to get parlayed or relayed or laid in any way whatsoever. Bobby went back to the whore. Bert to the trollop. Stuart to the druggie. And Brendan to the shiksa goddess. I remain supple and limber and juicy and ready to mambo and impenetrable. <laughs> Doesn't anybody just want to dance? He had the most beautiful sable brown eyes and long, long lashes, and the lashes hit me right in the heart. Mitchell <laughs> He had muscles and legs and arms and muscles and chest and muscles and, and bam, that smile and those teeth, I fell really hard. He was from Rockaway, Queens, and I was from Lawrence, which was the five towns. He was across the county line. He had an accent. <laughs> He was adorable and edible, and we kissed, and we laughed, and we hung out in my mom's house, and my mom really liked him. And football season ended, and the days began to get longer and longer, and he gave me his varsity jacket, his all-city quarterback varsity jacket. And it was red and white and blue, and it smelled just like him of sweat and pheromones and rockaway pizza. And I wrapped myself in that jacket like it was Joseph's Technicolor coat. All mine. My very own. Look at me. I'm adored. I anointed it with Shalimar. <laughs> girls become a sin while waiting for a roast beef dinner though most girls slip in ordinary ways I got style I do it Bordelais <laughs> hi Trude can I come over <coughs> sure Mitchell I'll make some steaks my dad's in the meat business <laughs> it was Friday 
and Mitchell drove to my house. I heard his car in the driveway. I glanced over at the Rockaway varsity jacket, the red, white, and blue prized possession of mine, my coat of honor on the kitchen chair. And Mitchell came in through the back door. Hi, I said. Steaks are almost done. His face was tan and rugged, but absent of the usual come hither, and I felt something in my stomach and in my heart and in my everything. What's up, I said. Um, um, it's about Mary. What about Mary? Well, we kind of, I mean, we got back together. Juliet swallowed the poison and fell to the floor. <laughs> what? When? Why, Trudy? I think you're amazing. I need my jacket back. <laughs> my superhero cape, my proof of identity, my varsity jacket, my all-city patch sewn on with sweat and with tears, my very own look at me, I'm fucking adored. Are you out of your frickin' football brain? Did your head hit the dashboard on the way over here? Do you have any idea who I want to be, who I pretend to be, or who I'm not? I will continue to date boys just like you, and marry men just like you, and have men leave me just like you. And in case you don't know it, I'm gonna be Fucking terrific. And you, you pigskin crow magnum piece of shit. <laughs> I'm going to have a daughter, you asshole. <laughs> and she shall be bigger and braver and brighter and more beautiful and more outspoken than even me. And I'm going to have two sons that will never be you. And they will be kind. And they will be conscious and clear and considerate. God damn it. <laughs> and I will fall deeply in love one day with me. And 25 years from now, I will walk into Morton's Army-Navy store and I will buy my own Rockaway football jacket. And I will have it embroidered with the perfect name, Coach for all the ways that I ran, I passed, I fumbled, I fouled, I tackled, I punted, and I took it for the team known as me. Here, Mitchell, here's your coat. There's the door. Ooh, leave the stake. Oh, and by the way, in my next relationship, I learn how to swallow. <laughs> Does it take more explanation than this? Ooh, the thrills and chills going through me. If I stop it now, who will sue me? I am woman, I am man. Let's kiss. And Trudy Froelich, McRory Froelich, Huberman Hap Froelich lived happily ever after. <laughs> That, my friends, was Trudy Froelich. 
Shit Happens, written and performed by Stella Slaughter with Ryan Beagler. Two young Ohioans turned East Coasters for college. Stella and Ryan are excellent ambassadors for our little hamlet of a town. Although we miss them dearly, and they better move back when they graduate. Ryan and Stella, I'm serious. Tom! Hi, it's good to see you. I didn't know you came here. Hi, Sally. Um, I come here all the time. It's actually my favorite coffee shop. Uh, when did you start working here? Oh, I, I've been working here for ever. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, what days do you usually come in? Uh, usually Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh, yeah, me too. Because, you know, I work here. <laughs> really? That's so weird I, I have, that I haven't run into you before. That is weird, because I'm definitely here all the time. <laughs> can, I, can I get you something? A latte? You know, I can make shapes with the foam. I, I could make your face. Really? No, actually. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't, I don't know why I said that. Um, but, but what do you want? I'll have a blended vanilla. Oh, wow. Okay, bold choice. But I accept. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's nothing for me to accept. It's a very popular beverage here. <laughs> Probably top five. Um, I'll, start, I'll start making it. Well, you know, since I run, I've run into you, there's something I've been wanting to talk to you about. You did? <laughs> wow, that, that's really great. <laughs> what, what did you want to talk to me about? You know, you look really pretty today. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> you, you look really pretty, too. No, no you don't. You look ugly. No, no. You look totally normal. You look your normal self that I see all the time. You know, we don't hang out that often. Maybe we should like get together. Do you smell something? No, I don't smell anything except coffee because this is a coffee shop. Uh, So so what were you saying? Uh, Just that I've been hoping to run into you. Definitely, Tom. I, you are so right. I, um, I concur with, with what you say. Um, I want to talk to you as well. Okay, great. Uh, oh my God, that's so great. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, wow, do you really not smell anything? I really don't, Tom. So what did you want to ask me? Well, actually, I've been meaning to talk to you about a girl that I like. Oh, really? Tell me, tell me about her. Oh, she's great. Uh, she goes to our school. She's in our grade. I'm in our grade. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Continue with your sentence. Okay, well, uh, she plays soccer. I play soccer. What? What? Nothing. You were saying. Um, uh, she's sort of silly. I'm silly. What? I didn't say anything, Tom. Are, are you sure? Because it, it kind of sounded like you said... Okay, the smell is back. <laughs> You know what? I think, I think someone's farting. Oh my god, are you serious? Wow, you know what? I sort of smell that too. I, you know what? It's probably that fat guy in the corner. He always farts. That's kind of mean. It's, it's not his fault though. I mean, it's not like all people okay. fart. Or any, yeah, um, he's, he's been struggling with digestion issues. I'm really worried about him actually. <laughs> Okay, um... So, anyway, uh, tell me about this girl. (laughs) Um, okay, uh, well, it's just that I'm not really sure how to ask her out. I mean, really, Tom? Girls like romance. Bring her flowers or something. Surprise her at work, because I assume she has a job. Maybe a, uh, 
beverage and pastry sort of establishment. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, flowers sound nice. So what do you think her answer will be? Well, I think she'll say yes. I mean, we've been texting for weeks. Texting? Yeah, uh, we even have these cute inside jokes and stuff. Who is this girl, Tom? Uh, Gina. Gina? Yeah, she's your friend, right? Yeah, but... Because that's why I wanted to ask you about her. Uh, um, yeah. Is there a problem? Sort of, yeah. What's the problem? You can't like her. She's such a bimbo. And I, I saw her eat a worm once. When? Kindergarten, but I'm sure she still eats them. What? Oh my god, the smell! You don't smell that. No, Tom, but what I do smell is worm on Gina's breath because she eats them all the time! Isn't she your best friend? Yeah, she is, which makes me uniquely qualified to talk about her horrible character traits. What? Oh my god. Maybe he should see a doctor. Maybe he has seen a doctor, Tom, and maybe he just found out he's lactose intolerant and it's been a really hard transition. Well, can't, can't he just, like, drink a different kind of milk? Like, there's a lot of different kinds. Soy milk is not the same, Tom. It's just beans pretending to be milk, and I hate it! What? He hates it! He hates it! I said he hates it! He told me he hates it so oh, okay, much! Okay, okay, fine. I, I, I believe you. Good! Okay, back to Gina. She sucks. She is the absolute worst. What? Okay, she's not the worst. Then why'd you say that? Ugh. Because I've been in love with you since the third grade. What? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Ever since that time when you let me borrow your jacket to cover up my pants when it looked like I peed on them when I didn't pee in my pants. I have never peed in my pants. You peed in your pants. No, you didn't. I, how, how do you I, remember that? How do you remember that? Don't patronize me. What the hell, Sally? I'm sorry, Tom. I, I don't know what came over me. It's okay. So, will you talk to her for me? Fuck you, Tom. <laughs> Sally, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I like Gina. Well, I farted. What? I farted. I've been farting this whole time! Oh my god! Don't look at me that way! Everybody farts! What? Yeah, he farts, she farts, you fart! Oh look, I just farted again! Oh dear god! And what kind of a drink is a blended vanilla, you lady, lady pants? What are you even talking about, Sally? Oh, oh my god. This is not how I saw this conversation going. <laughs> yeah, me neither. So I'm just gonna, um, here's your drink, and I'm just gonna, g I can't go. I work here. I have to stay here. But you should leave, right? Yeah, you should leave, right? Yeah, like you probably have somewhere you need to be. Yeah, uh, bye, Sally. Bye, Tom. Thanks for coming in. I love your pants. Thank you, Stella Slaughter and Ryan Beegler. Coming up next, Rock Shop Boiteau. And Tessie Goddard, when the Townies podcast continues. You're like the water strong, but gentle when it comes. You're like a blooming flower, vibrant and young. 
Where do I begin? You know I have so much to say To learn more about the artists and music featured on today's podcast, visit thetowniespodcast.org. Puppy Love, written and performed by Raksha Boito. Raksha hails from a long line of poets, activists, driving instructors, and all-around good folk. With straight A's and an extraordinary sense of humor, Raksha will breeze through her senior year at Oak Grove High School while simultaneously feeling awful about leaving me for college. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Oh, that's so sweet. You have a crush. Puppy love is so cute. Aw, how nice. You and your best friend like the same boy. Said every adult ever when I was 10. (laughs) I had been going to this weird hippie school in Ventura where we solved problems using the peace wheel, had class meetings called Magic Circle, and spent our free time eating (laughs) and spent our free time eating peanut butter in the bathroom. (laughs) My teacher, whom I loved, decided to break off from this school and start her own. So she took about 20 willing students, victims, and we started our own school in the garage of one of the kids' parents' houses. We held classes in that garage, in the old Airstream sitting in the front yard, and on the couch in the living room. But that wasn't the end of our migration. The parents whose house we were using had a major freakout because they didn't like how the school was being run. Apparently, They didn't approve of the brand of soap my teacher was buying for the bathroom. It was a fiasco. We got kicked out. The families that stayed behind reformed their school, and they named it ISIS. Because they just didn't know. And so we broke off from the break-off school and moved into a building behind a church. And it was nice. But that's not where this story takes place. This story happened at the first break-off school, the one with the weird family and the Airstream. It was sixth grade, and I had a major crush on this boy named Curran. So did my best friend. We were deliriously giddy and completely enamored by him. And it wasn't like now, when you can't like the same person as your friend or the social gods of high school will crash down upon you. No, it was perfectly normal for us to talk about him and giggle and honestly be a version of ourselves that makes us cringe to this very day. (laughs) And at the time, it wasn't puppy love. It was serious business. (laughs) With stomachs fluttering, we would ask ourselves if he liked us, if he was looking at us, if his interest in knowing the homework was really a ploy to talk to us. (laughs) Like I said, it was serious business. We gave him a code name, so as not to be too obvious when discussing him. (laughs) 
And it wasn't a cool, mysterious code name. No. We decided on the word cheese. <laughs> because he liked cheese. And we were ten. Curran was a good looking boy, athletic and smart. We used to have handwriting battles. Whoever wrote the smallest and gave our teachers' eyes the most discomfort was the winner. So basically, he met all of my sixth grade girl requirements. I mean, what more could a 10 year old want? But looking back, I realize he was a weird boy. I mean, I, as a smitten preteen, didn't think that it was strange that he carried around a puppet named Calvin everywhere he went. <laughs> Though I think others might have seen it as a bit odd, out of the ordinary, creepy. So Calvin was a black puppet lawyer. He loved seaweed, he wore a suit, <laughs> carried a briefcase, and loved seaweed. There's more. Curran had another puppet, a monkey named Kevin. Kevin, Calvin, and Curran. What a creepy, crazy crew. <laughs> Kevin was a basketball playing superstar. A monkey basketball playing superstar. How did he come up with this stuff? He was a genius. <laughs> So, my friend Diana and I decided that the best way to win Curran's affection was by doting on his puppets. People say that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. We took a slightly different approach because they were puppets. Every day, we would bring packs of seaweed to school to feed to Calvin and Kevin, who were incapable of digestion, obviously. Curran was very grateful, but he didn't fall in love with us immediately like we had hoped. You may be wondering why he, an awkward but loving puppet owner, didn't jump at the idea of two girls liking him. Well, the issue was, he didn't think he was weird. He thought we were the weird ones, which was true, but still. And you may be asking yourself, why we went for the puppet kid. What can I say? Love wants what it wants. Unfortunately, this isn't one of those stories where the awkward girl and the awkward boy have a cute little first ever relationship with each other. No, I'm far, far too socially incapable of having something like that happen to me. But I made a valiant effort. My infatuation escalated one day when my teacher was asking Curran about his puppets their jobs, their hobbies, their families. She happened to ask if they were married. They weren't. And she happened to mention how funny it would be if they were married. It was a silly, ridiculous idea. Curran laughed, we laughed, and then we got to thinking. What better way to profess our undying love then to marry Curran's puppets ourselves. <laughs> we came up with an elaborate plan for our double wedding. Our friend Maisie was going to be the wedding planner. She helped us pick a date and a location. She also advised us on what to wear and what to say. We decided to hold the ceremony in the Airstream that was parked on the front lawn of our school. 
Yes, in the airstream, amongst the lunch boxes, the pencil bags, and the smelly shoes. An ideal location if there ever was one. I knew that we couldn't be properly married without a book containing vows. So I took an old diary and taped a picture of a cross onto the front and a picture of Mother Mary on the inside cover. Why? I couldn't tell you. I'm not even religious. My mother is a pagan poet heathen. I then wrote the vows on the inside, one set for me, one set for Diana. I was to marry Calvin the lawyer, and she was to marry Kevin the monkey. I don't know how we decided who was to marry who, but at least I was thinking of the financial stability of my future. So the big day finally arrived. We decided against wearing dresses. We realized that it might be a bit over the top. But I had picked out a ring from my jewelry box. You know the cheap kind from the toy store? It had a green stone because Curran's favorite color was green. Like a 10-year-old boy would notice something like that in the first place. I don't think Curran even knew about the wedding until five minutes before it happened. Poor guy. I honestly can't remember how he reacted. He probably made a face something like this. But he went along with it even after we told him he was the officiator. (laughs) And so, we had our wedding. Curran reading from my makeshift Bible, and me and Diana giggling and giving each other sidelong glances filled with glee. And at the end, when the officiator would normally say, you may kiss the bride, I had written, you may or may not kiss the bride. (laughs) Because we were 10, and kissing was like, whoa, big step. Why kissing was the big step and not, you know, marriage? (laughs) We just don't know. I can't remember what happened after the ceremony. Maybe we held a barefoot reception in the garage. Maybe it was time for lunch. Maybe we rode off into the sunset together, puppets in tow. But in reality, we probably went back to sitting in the corner giggling together about how cute Curran looked when he chewed on the neckline of his t-shirt. Neither of us ever ended up with him. That would be too much like the ending of a Disney movie. I haven't seen or spoken to him in over five years. I still remember the moment on the last day of school when he walked away from me across the sand. There was sand because we were at the beach, because it was that kind of school. I didn't even get to say goodbye. It was a tragic end to a long series of embarrassing events that made up my life from fourth to sixth grade. But even though that period of my life is painfully awkward to recount, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't trade my embarrassing memories for those of a girl who was popular in sixth grade, who had all the cool clothes, all the cool friends, and a string of two-week-long relationships. I cherish that goofy, socially inept side of myself. I have grown into the mature and somewhat respected person I am today, not because I was perfect, but because of the strange quirks that gave me character. Diana actually saw Curran last year at the fair, While her friends went over to flirt with him and get his number, she hid behind a trash can (laughs) 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 (
two hours, two, two hours later, she called me from behind this trash can. She proceeded to tell me about how hot he is now, and we freaked out together like we would have in sixth grade. It reminded me that a part of me will always be that 10-year-old girl blushing and squealing with her best friend. And that's okay. You were listening to Rock Shop Boiteau. How to Make It in the Stock Market. Written and performed by Tessie Goddard a bookkeeping, ballet-dancing, youth opera-supporting cat person and mom, Miss Tessie came to the U.S. from the Philippines as an exchange student, fell wildly in love, and stayed forever. Aside from class, I see Miss Tessie and Bim, her husband of 44 years, regularly on my Ojai Meadow walk. Hi, everybody. This is Tessie Goddard coming live to you today from CNBS Marketplace to give you tips on how you can make it big in the stock market. In seven simple steps, I can show you how to get the most bang for your buck. One, decide what kind of play you want to do. Are you a swing player, momentum player, technical player, or fundamental player? Here is a brief description of each one. Swing players like a lot of action. They tend to do multiple plays in one day. (laughs) Momentum players look for the acceleration of movement, either going up or going down. (laughs) Technical players use charts to optimize their entry or withdrawal points. (laughs) And finally, fundamental players like to hold to their position over a long period of time. (laughs) Two, you have to be clear about position. Some like it long, some like it short. (laughs) And some prefer to sit back and watch it grow. (laughs) I personally do all positions. (laughs) Three, you have to decide if you want to do it alone, do it with others, or hire a professional. (laughs) If you consider hiring a professional, remember, those who talk about it the most probably have the least experience. (laughs) Four, up and down is the nature of the game. Get used to it. In fact, up and down is the best it gets. Imagine how boring it is when it just lies there and goes sideways. (laughs) Of course, if it goes up, it might not stay up. And it might not go up at all. But you'll learn to deal with that when you get more experience. Five, decide if you want to play large, mid-size, or small market capitalization. Some people think that bigger is better. But that's not necessarily true. Sometimes small is better. It just depends on what you do with what you've got. Six, feel the rhythm of the market. No one to pull out if you don't want to get into Because a job well done is not worth blowing. And finally, when the peak hits, 
Enjoy the fruits of your labor. This is Tessie Goddard reporting live from CNBS Marketplace. Well done, Tessie Goddard. Please join us every other Tuesday for a new round of Freshly Minted Stories. I am Kim Maxwell of Kim Maxwell Studio, and we teach people to launch their stories loudly and unapologetically into the world, to laugh more, risk more, and have bigger lives. The Townies Podcast is co-produced by Lily Brown, Asa Larmonth, and Ken Eros. Studio engineering and mixing by Eros Creative and Sound. The Townies theme song was written and performed by Rain Perry, recorded and mixed by Martin Young, and mastered by Mark Hallman at the Congress House. The Townies podcast is in part made possible by a generous grant from the Ojai Arts Commission and the City of Ojai, a small town with big stories. You can find out more about us at thetowniespodcast.org. Thank you for listening. So, uh, Maybe, yeah. My hair looks a little fluffy. That won't come through the mic. (laughs) (laughs) It's for the picture, Ken. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) Sounds great. Your hair sounds magnificent. (laughs) Voluminous? Does it sound voluminous? Voluminous.